Hey there, welcome to Sauce Inbound, brought to you by Sauce Group. I'm your host, Anna Dana, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business a success. And today with me is Faith Faya, serial entrepreneur, founder of Winter, a message testing platform designed for strategic B2B marketers, which is bootstrapped to over 2 million in ARR, annual recurring revenue, which is super impressive. And uh, yeah, welcome. Great to see you here. Hello, hello. Nice to be here. Well, yeah, let's uh, let's get started. I mean, uh, I know the story and I mean, uh, probably a lot of people know the story of the inception of winter, but maybe we can give it like a couple of minutes of like what was the inspiration, how you got to to build it in the first place. Yeah. So my other business, CXL, is an e-learning platform, online courses for marketers. Yep. And, you know, there's like 100 courses, 100 sales pages, and I wrote quite a bit of copy for the products. And so as I was writing yet another sales page copy, I was wondering, is it any good? If my ideal customer is reading it, do they find it interesting? Do they find it boring? What do they like? What do they don't like? So I was like, ah, surely there's some tool out there they can tell me. And as I started to yeah. Google it and look for it, the only thing I found was people with the same exact problem. And then I was like, hey, an unsolved problem. And uh, I went for it. Okay. All right. That's short enough. Awesome. So yeah, tell me more, like what is winter and how did you start solving this problem? And how did you go to these people that you found and tell them, you know, here you are, here's your solution. Yeah. So I found a problem. I had no idea how to solve it. At first I thought like, is there an AI solution to this? And there are like, you know, certain AI, this was before the chat GPT revolution, you know, this is yeah, 2019. Yeah. yeah. So everything was harder. And, and then there was some tools out there that were doing, you know, NLP type of stuff. And we played around with it. And when, you know, we found just lots of problems until we figured out that actually it's somebody, it's the question is about somebody's ideal customer reading it and giving feedback. Cause that's the only thing that matters. It's not any random person. Right. And then that's, that's, that was the realization that we, we need, we, this needs to be a marketplace uh, behind the scene. We're connecting people with companies. And so that's what we started to build. Yeah. Okay. And in, we, is it you and the team? So how was it structured from the very beginning? So it was, I have, I have three businesses that I've built now with two co-founders. And so at first it was an agency and we used the agency, uh, after five years, after doing the agency, we used the profits to build the e-learning business. And now we use the e-learning money to fund building winter. And in the beginning, it was me and a product manager that I hired. That was like, he was like a designer and, uh, you know, just a product thinker. Like I was like big picture and he was focused on the details. Okay. Um, and then we, in the beginning, the dev, we outsourced to a dev shop in Belarus. Um, okay. And just to go get, you know, go faster. Cause since this was my second time time building a new venture while I had an existing company, I had already learned that there needs to be a dedicated team working on the new thing. It cannot be that half a day I do this and half a day I do this other business, you know, like the split attention is the road to nowhere. And so basically, yeah, it was me and the product manager in the beginning, the two of us, 
plus outsource dev until uh, it took us about a year of behind the scenes work and coding until we launched our MVP version in uh, May 2020, uh, then called copy testing. And that was also the moment when I switched to full time. Okay, makes sense. All right. Well, let's talk about you know how you took it from zero to one. So you had your MVP, and still, you know, it's finding the right customers and selling it to them. So who was the first customer? Was it from the agency? Was it from the fact that you know you started building your own brand and now everyone knows you on LinkedIn? You're the top voice in digital marketing. You know, obviously there there is a ton of content that you produced. So did it help? Was it your personal brand that pushed the first sales or was there yeah. any other channel? Personal brand definitely helps. So the, you know, the, the begin the, the MVP of the business was that this is, we're finding you people to give you feedback on your website copy. Um, and yeah. it was a consumer business focused, meaning that the, the other side of the marketplace, these were regular consumers you know, people who wear pants and they're like ages, this and this and different genders. Uh, and so we were trying to sell it to people who companies that sell to consumer audiences e-commerce companies, supplements companies, you know, things like that. So that was who we were trying to go after. Um, and, you know, we did a product hunt launch. Uh, we got a number one spot, but product hunt launches, I've been number one three times now. I know it. it it's nice to be number one. It results in yeah. $0 every time. It's completely useless. Uh, so also yeah. it's not hard to get number one if you know, that, you know, it's everything is gameable uh, these days. Uh, I got first thousand signups from my social media because uh, mm -hmm. we did no other channel. We used no other channel than me tweeting and posting a LinkedIn. Got a thousand signups. Most of it did not turn into money. Uh, my expectations for how fast this will grow uh, were, um, you know, <laughs> here. Reality <laughs> was down here. Okay. So I think our launch month. Based on the goodwill of my followers, we, we did maybe 10,000 in revenue, uh, but it mm -hmm. was like every month after that, it was like less and less and less and less. Uh, and until I think in like September, so this is, uh, we launched in May. So a few months later, I think the monthly revenue was like 3K or something. It's like, mm -hmm. well, this is not the trajectory <laughs> that we yeah. want. Uh, and also, I mean, CXL was paying for everything, you know, my other company. Mm -hmm. And while, I mean, this, it's basically my money, so I can like keep funding it as long as possible, but also don't want to keep funding a business that has no legs. Yeah. And uh, what was also hard was like, it's not like I had a random idea. We validated it before we even started writing code. We had done 30 plus interviews with target customers. And we had clickable prototypes, like Figma mockups, essentially, uh, that we showed people. And like they were like, yeah, this is great. I'm going to so use it and all that stuff. But then, you know, the moment of truth is always when you're in the market. And so what we learned, we thought like e-commerce companies, they have thousands of product pages because they sell, you know, a lot of different products. Each of the product pages has copy that needs to be optimized for higher conversion rates. Turns out that your average e-commerce marketer does not care about it at all. The copy gets written and it's never changed again. Never. This is yeah. like 90 plus percent of e-commerce websites. They just don't focus on it. 
And it was, it was very hard to say, hey, now you can use this tool to, to make these changes that you are never making. <laughs> so, like, you know, uh, okay. so that, that wasn't going anywhere. Some of the, we, we did supplements industry was our kind of like a best bet there because supplements <laughs> companies drive a lot of paid traffic to their pages. It's, it tends to be long form sales copy, uh, uh, like direct uh, response marketing thinking. So, you know, I had some legs there, but overall, like revenue was declining and couldn't figure out what to do. Uh, but then I was desperately searching for insights on what to change. Mm -hmm. And since the beginning, we had gotten, uh, you know, inquiries from B2B companies like, oh, this looks cool. But like, can you give me product managers as audience or like VP marketings or engineers? And we're like, no, but we have moms <laughs> ages 22 to 35 who wear yeah. pants, have a dog. You want those? And they did not. And so I was like wondering, well, what if we use, what if we do service these B2B audiences? And the only the question was, can we do it? Okay, so there are these panel companies out there, you know, big ones that supply a panel and many of them have an API. So it's like, okay, so that we had a customer, it was a Dutch startup it was like ai for organic traffic and so we used these well-known panel companies that you know giant corporations billions in revenue and we hooked up with through api with them and we requested b2b SaaS cmos that was the audience that we wanted and you know they delivered pretty fast these people but the thing is in message testing we ask a lot of open-ended questions like after reading this, do you have any question? What are your doubts about this? What about this clear? What about this is uh, interesting? Uh, you know, and so on and so forth. Panel companies fought us on these open-ended questions. They ask multiple choice. Ask, you know, from one to 10 rating. And, you know, it was weird. Like, why are you pushing back on open-ended questions? But in the end, they relented. And then the responses, the open-ended responses to these questions about this organic AI traffic company was something like, like what does uh, organic food have to do with traffic on the streets they had no idea what organic traffic as a concept is they thought it's you know cars food and so it was clear that these people were no cmos and then we discovered that panelist fraud is a rampant problem and panelists panel companies all know this that's why they don't want us okay. to use open-ended questions because if it's multiple choice, you will never know that these were mostly teenagers from India and, you know, like just randos. Yeah. And so we realized that there's nobody in the world that can deliver B2B panel that's high quality. Uh, every, everything is garbage. And so I was like, well, can we build one? That was a question. Never built uh, a marketplace business because uh, never built, you know, uh, any panels. And so we recruited first maybe a couple of hundred people from CXL's email list. And right. then pilot customers that, hey, now we have an audience of marketers. Do you want to test anything against marketing people? And our NPS and like customer satisfaction shot up 10x. They went from, yeah, this is okay, to, wow, the feedback is so high quality, amazing. And, you know, that was like a eureka moment. Okay, we're on to something here. So we could deliver it and they were very happy with the quality.
And then, okay. yeah, next month we decided to pivot, abandon the consumer businesses, go after B2B. We also dropped the name, copy testing, and rebranded ourselves to Winter. So January 2021 is when we became Winter. Okay. All right. Wow. That's quite a story. So uh, yeah, so it grew out of your own kind of pain and then you pivoted towards B2B and obviously well changed your messaging, I, I would assume as well. Oh, yeah. Right. So yeah. And this is something that obviously everyone wants to know from you, right? How do you work with messaging? Because in SaaS, I feel like in modern SaaS, there's like we all marketers, we've all learned that, you know, first you talk about value, what kind of problem you're solving. And like, it's all very dreamy and you sell this idea of a product, what you're going to get. But like I just said, modern sales just took it to a whole new level. And sometimes when you go to the website and you're like, okay, it's like, what is it? Like, and as a marketer, I should kind of understand like what's hiding behind that big word out there, optimization yeah. and like revenue and we're driving everything. So a lot of big words, a lot of promises, mm -hmm. but I've more and more, I find myself like, just like, I don't, I don't understand what this is. And like, you have to dig deeper and go into the copy and go into documentation to, to like actually understand what the product is. Mm -hmm. So how did you change your messaging and how did you, because I also want to touch upon like different layers of messaging, right? So mm -hmm. your, your yeah. main page would be completely different from your product page, your uh, onboarding page and uh, all that. So how did you work with winter and how did you, with that pivot, uh, started to sell to B2B? Well, we had this unfair advantage that, you know, we were mess building a message testing tool. So we could just test our own messaging and see, uh, you know, a most important thing, do they get it? Like, what is it? Do they understand? So the clarity of it. And the second, like, I mean, after a while I developed the whole framework around it, which is like, the, you need to distill messaging down into four layers. And number one is the clarity, like, do they get it? And then it's the relevance, like, okay, I understand what it is, but is it for me? Like, do I understand it's for me? So that's the relevance part. Um, and then it's the, the pitch, the value prop, uh, which is, uh, you're communicating, you're teasing the promised land. And then the question from the customer side is like, do I want it? Like, yeah. does this, do I understand the impact it will have on my business? Do I believe it? Uh, and do I want it essentially? And so that's not like a, a clever tagline. And this is like the bulk of your, let's say homepage copy. The, the words is like, you're, you're selling the problem, you're selling the, our way of solving it. And maybe there are like three key value props that you do, um, that what the tool does or, you know, whatever. And that's the hardest part of any page. I think getting, uh, unclear text, um, making it clear is not that hard. I mean, even these days you can, uh, you can go to chat GPT and say, Hey, okay, here's my copy. Please make it eighth grade reading level, rewrite it, you know, and yeah. you can get to it. Of course, even if you ask it to write it to eighth grade reading level, which is, you know, the, the standard, um, uh, standard newspapers use, um, it still uses, um, uh, you know, boring generic language. So it, it 
today does not replace a human copywriter. You still have to see how we're coming across the way we want to come across. So I don't think you can outsource it to, to copy, but to simplify sentences. Sure. Um, but like clarity is like if they get it, but they don't want it, you know, it's not good enough. So the most important part yeah. is do they want it? And really you're trying to change their behavior, which is you want them to sign up. You want them to start a trial, uh, buy the thing, you know, take some action and download the thing. So, and then and the fourth layer would be differentiation because in most SaaS companies operate in, you know, very competitive saturated categories. If, if you're an sure. email marketing tool or CRM or docs or, you know, podcast editing, podcast recording, webinar platform, you know, all these have like 10, many tens of alternatives. So I was like, well, why this one and not the other one? Um, and communicating that. And that's, I think, these two, two last pieces is what most websites are the worst at. They're bad at making you want it. And, and, yeah. and usually they mention no differentiation at all. And so, yeah, yeah, we basically, for ourselves, I wrote the first copy. I mean, I'm a pretty decent copywriter. I'm not the greatest by any means, but I'm, you know, well above average. And then test it, like, do they get it? Do they understand it's for mm -hmm. them? Do they want it? Is, you know, is it differentiated? And for our, yeah, in I our think... case, the differentiation part was easy because really we were, we were and still are the only game in town for B2B message testing. There's nobody else, which has helped our business grow a lot. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades, all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Barometrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at Rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Right. Well, I think that's why like people love comparisons and like all those long blog posts where they like compare tools. Like we use different, you mentioned podcast recording tools. We use different ones. And, you know, I know about yours because I read this kind of article and, you know, it was there and Riverside, we're, we're on Riverside right now. It was, it was there and it says, well, it's the most straightforward, the easiest, it's just like two buttons, a monkey can do it. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's my gig. Like, I don't want to press more. So well, I mean, <laughs> in reality, all of them are like that, you know, in my opinion, I mean, I mean, I'm not a category connoisseur. I'm a user of these tools. I'm as a guest and as a portless producer myself, I treat this category as they're fungible, meaning that easily replaced by another. If I switch from Zencaster to Riverside or uh, Squadcast, I don't think it would change anything for me. Like they all do the basics, right? Maybe. Yeah. 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 It, it also depends like how far you want to go, but just having it 
like very clearly differentiated from another tool, I think it's, it's just absolute best. Because like, I mean, I'm just the only example, right? But there are thousands of people that are looking like, which one is better? I mean, that's why Monday is so good at their marketing. You go and you, you know, you start typing Monday and then like the first hundred pages is like why Monday is better than this and why Monday is better than that. And like, it's just, yeah, it's just that yeah, easy. I don't because think they have any to... good arguments really. Cause again, I mean, I think the CRM category, I mean, all of them could have a tagline that says, why not try us next? Cause I mean, they all do the <laughs> yeah. exact same things. I mean, with some queries, a different UI, different flows, but essentially, there's nothing uh, you can't do in, in um, you know, Asana that you, you can do in Monday. No, there's no, no such thing. So it's, it's the game is building up mental availability. So when I think about a tool in a buying situation, oh, I need a CRM or I need a task management tool. I've seen Monday everywhere. I go to YouTube, it's Monday ads, and you know, the buses in my town have Monday ads. I think of Monday. Uh, at least it gets into my consideration set, and maybe I have a, you know, maybe I try a trial or, yeah. So I believe this type of saturation in search results or ads, it works to build up mental availability. Yeah. It might not be enough to tip them over to choose you. It's not a, it doesn't build preference, but awareness 100%. Yeah, yeah. All right. But okay. And this is something you also did over the years. Winter, you, you moved a bit more up market, you started serving bigger companies. But, you know, not every company has the abilities of, of Monday. You know, not every, every company has the budgets to, to go to you even. Right. Uh, so for bootstrappers, what is the, what would be your, hack what would be your advice like how to find the messaging that would work do you double down on differentiation do you try to research your competitors one of your last linkedin posts was actually saying no, don't go to your competitors right because you it kind of works other in the other direction you become too much like them yeah. so yeah what do bootstrappers <clears throat> do well, I mean, I don't think bootstrappers are much different from any other type of company other than how they're financed. So in terms of like their go-to-market would not be any different. The different key difference for the founder is, of course, that you have to worry about not running out of money. So you need to make at yeah. least the same amount of money as you're burning. Because uh, if you're, I think it's Paul Graham, Paul Graham who said like default alive, like you're profitable or at least break even. You have infinite amount of time to figure out how to grow. Whereas if you're losing money, you have a deadline of death coming up, right? So that's the main thing. So I don't think messaging stuff is any different for Bootstrap or VC Pack. It's like, you know, be clear, be relevant, have a compelling pitch and, and state how you're different. And let me tell you about differentiation. So what has helped us a lot is being totally unique uh, company. Mm -hmm. And what, has, what that has done is that we get 100% of the word of mouth in the market. There's, it's not, there's not a lot of it, to be clear, because it's a new category. Most companies are not doing messaging yet. Uh, but if somebody asks for recommendations in a Slack group, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, you know, wherever, hey, what's a tool I could use to test my messaging? People say winter. 
because there's literally nobody else to recommend. We also try to do a good job with our tool and all that stuff. Uh, but still, you know, so being the only game in town has helped us a lot. Uh, if bl when bloggers, you know, want to write about tools or product marketing or whatever, and they want to list a message testing tool, we get all the backlinks, right? There's nobody else to mention. So it's an advantage. Also, if a company out there decides that they want to do message testing and they don't want to do it by hand, you know, like manually, again, we get all that business, you know, if they have already decided that they need to do this. So it's a big advantage for a bootstrap startup because you need every help you can get, right? So it's a strong leg up. As a bootstrap startup, you cannot outspend others, right? Like in terms of paid paid media, you probably cannot outrank others in terms of SEO because you're just getting going. You don't have enough domain authority and all that stuff. Like SEO for us is not a significant uh, source of revenue at all. I mean, less than ten percent, probably less than five percent. And so, so what what do you do? And I think what what bootstrap companies can do is that they, they can win with earned media. So earned media, meaning that creating content on you know, today's like social media is really great for it, especially LinkedIn in a B2B setting, or, you know, if you sell to consumers, you know, your TikToks and whatnot. Just the only thing is that the content needs to be great. And you need to invest in, you know, invest in it. You need to be consistent with it, like daily, different formats and so on. You can build an audience. And there are so many examples out there where people with no money have been a significant following. Just You just need to do high quality work. You don't need money. You need time, yes, uh, but not money. That's true. Uh, so in our case, since we are completely only game in town, and that also just means that it's not a, like an established category message testing, right? Uh, most companies out there, they don't have a line item in their budget. So mm -hmm. instead of harvesting demand, we are creating net new demand from scratch. So if you, if you try to see, if you do any social media uh, history on Twitter or LinkedIn, and say, who was speaking about message testing prior to 2020? Like, how much was, was it even discussed? It's zero. It's zero. So all the talk about message testing and so on is, I mean, not all, I can't take all credit, but a big chunk of it is because we have made it a thing, right? So, I mean, we've been using some category creation playbooks and I define category creation not as an ecosystem of things, not like this is customer success, like Gainsight, but it's a form of radical differentiation. We're, yes, it's, it's a, we're a type of a research tool, which is the top category. Uh, G2 puts us in the user research. But we're not like uh, any other research tool. It's a different category of a research tool. You know, it's a, basically a subcategory. And so that's something that I have engineered deliberately, that it's a new subcategory. And if you want to create a new subcategory, the critical marketing piece there is that you're creating new set of must-haves capabilities, uh, and you start evangelizing that this is what you need to uh, to get to whatever uh, goal that you have. And so, other tools out there that don't have these must-have capabilities are no longer relevant. So it's it's a relevancy game. It's not a I have two more features than this other tool. 
it's about relevancy. So I've been following that playbook and it's been pretty successful for us. This year we're growing 100% year over year. Last year we grew 3x over the first year. Uh, so it's working. Yeah, definitely. It's super impressive. But yeah, I have to agree with you on consistency and time that founders, booster founders have to put out there. Um, yeah, it's it's not all about the money and paid ads. And uh, you just if you're consistent and, and if you talk about, yeah, like like you said, you are creating a new categories or subcategory of a product, uh, then you have to just do it consistently until you know you gain that traction until people are like, oh, OK, well, that's interesting. I want to listen. And then you, yeah, you speak to them. But yeah, I want to come back a little bit to like the layers of messaging that we were talking about, because like first you generate a demand, right? Like you said, you start talking about it, you start getting some traction, attention, you're creating your category or subcategories. We're making sure we choose the right outlets for the messaging. So social media has been working great for you. So what's next when you've captured that demand? Are you moving on? Are those channels where you talk about it the same channels as for demand generation? How do you proceed with that messaging? Yeah, my point of view is that business storytelling, your, where you evangelize your point of view, mm -hmm. that's for your marketing channels. So social, your email newsletter, ad, you know, it does not go on your website at least not on your okay. key money pages like your homepage. I mean, there needs to be, you need to tie the loop. So let's say every day I'm talking about why you should test your messaging on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and they, then they come, then it needs to be that this is a message testing tool. There needs to be a, you close the loop, yeah. right? I'm in the right space. And maybe you have one, one sentence for your point of view. You know, for instance, our point of view today is that your target market needs to be the primary input to how you run your revenue strategy. That's, that's mm -hmm. it's not a marketing tagline. That's a point of view summary. Somewhere that uh, on our website that it exists in a very short, compact format. But okay. you don't have a speak section to to tell your point of view or the world has changed and it used to be like this and now it's like that. Like no, that's not. People have no patience for it. So my point of view on, on SaaS websites is that it needs to be pretty transactional. Yes, you tie the loop. You, you it's called scent. Keep the scent of what's happening in your marketing. But mainly you talk about what is it, you know, the clarity, relevance, what the value of the tool. It's very, you know, just the facts, ma'am, in a con concise, condensed way. And then, of course, you can link down to different product pages and elaborate on like how these products work or these features. So yeah, the problem with business storytelling is you know, there's a lot of people that are talking about storytelling. There's very little how-to advice out there. And I was, I got really into business storytelling for a while and I bought, you know, 20 something books and on business storytelling, most of them are just garbage. It's just so boring, which is like ironic as it's a storytelling book. There's only yeah. one that's good. And it's not even about business storytelling. It's just how to tell stories. It's called Story Worthy. I highly recommend that book. Everything else is garbage. So, I mean, the main gist of great storytelling that every story is about transformation. 
I was like this and now I'm like that or somebody, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if you think about the movie Jurassic Park, it's not about dinosaurs. Well, yes, it is. But the main plot is that in the beginning, there's the, the, the scientist dude who hates children. And by the end of the movie, he loves children. That's the transformation. I'm talking about the original Jurassic Park. Yeah. So if you pay attention to what I'm doing on social media, most of it is quite strategic, not all of it. Uh, it's I am evangelizing a point of view and how you should think and what you should do. I'm finding 365 ways to tell you to talk to your target customers, get insights from a target customer, see what they think. That's the most important thing. And I'm finding different ways and different stories and how do I spin it and how do I make a point. But really, I'm injecting, I'm planting an idea in your head. Uh, And it's not a single story. Nobody changes their mind based on a single argument or like a a tidbit. So it's like repeat exposure. So, so yeah, do I do storytelling? You know, absolutely I do. And then, so social media is my my flywheel. So on Twitter. Where the algorithm is, you can send as many tweets per day as you want. And each tweet has their own uh, life. They can get a lot of reach. On LinkedIn, you can't post multiple times a day, really, because each post that you post kills the reach of the previous post. So once a day is really ideal. So on Twitter, I'm testing 10 10 tweets a day. The winner goes on LinkedIn. That's my post of the day. Mm -hmm. And then the the best post on LinkedIn goes into my newsletter. So that's, again, where... Feedback loop. Okay. Uh, but on, on my website, there's very little storytelling. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. So how has your your growth strategy changed over, what, well, two years, right? Since the pivot. I would assume that, you know, social media and your brand, and we talked with, with Rand Fishkin about it. And I was like, when you launched Spark Toro, like how much of the initial traction was from your uh, followers, from, you know, from people that you worked with. And what he said was, uh, yeah, sure, there was some, but no one's going to say, hey, Rand, I like you so much. I'm going to subscribe to your horrible product. You know, if it's a horrible product, then, you know, your personal brand can take you just this far. And there is content. There's probably some legacy from your other companies. So what's, yeah, how has it been evolving and what has been the biggest customer acquisition channel? Yeah, so still 95% plus is all inbound leads. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have two revenue streams where it's like, one is like people just sign up on their own self-serve, put in the credit card and off they go. Okay. And the other fifty percent is they go book a meeting with a with sales. There's a demo, and it, it goes into an annual deal. It's a bit bigger ticket uh, deal. So that's that's the other half of the revenue. So uh, pricing and packaging is is a constant experimentation. It's pretty complicated in our case because of our cost structure. Our cost structure is very complicated. It's not. This is what it costs. People always like, how much is it? Well, it depends on all the ingredients. How many people? How, what's their seniority level? What is the type of research? Because today, winter is no longer just a message shifting tool. We've now we've broadened. So 
our growth strategy. In the beginning, we deliberately set out to be a point solution for a very narrow problem. And, and I chose message testing because uh, that was the easiest thing for us to build and go to market, which matters in the case of bootstrapping. But always my vision, well, maybe not from always, but pretty quickly my vision for the business evolved into, oh, this, this actually is going to be much bigger. We can solve all these other problems and so on. And so today we are already uh, you know, a bigger target customer insights platform. There are many other things you can do. You can book interviews with your target customers. You can survey what the what their top three problems are, or you know whatever you want to know. User testing, even booking demos with ICPs. You know, so it's a bigger platform, and this has been a strategic move over time. Most most products become multi-product companies. Most companies because it just makes sense. Lots of financial reasons there why why it's beneficial to be multi-product. So that that has changed. Our pricing and packaging has always evolved. And also we are learning like who is a good fit customer for us? Who is a good fit customer for us? And in the beginning, we, we thought this is going to be, you know, smaller businesses and startups because they need the most because they're like startups that are finding their place in the market. They need the most messaging help. On the flip side, they have 99 problems and they don't have a lot of money so it's not a they come in they do maybe one message list and then they leave uh, i mean winter is also not cheap and yeah I, I wish i could do it cheaper it's just my cost structure I can't do anything about that because it's a you know it's a marketplace it's not software and so we have yes we have moved up market over time because we're realizing that the companies that really think about critically think about their revenue strategy their go-to-market strategy are, you know, bigger companies, you know? Uh, so if you tell, you know, let's say a company with 500 plus employees, let's say that their GTM budget is at 50 million a year. This is like sales and marketing and RevOps, everything combined. They're spending a whole bunch of money per year. And then if the pitch is, well, if you allocate, you know, 0.2% of it, the budget to... Uh, ICP and figuring out what does the target customer even want, where do they want it, how do they make decisions, how do they buy, what do they think about you, what do they think about the competitor, you know, all these things. If you know this, you can refine all of the, your go-to-market motions down to a specific tactic level in a specific channel. It just makes the rest of the budget go further, and they get it, and you know they want it more. Whereas yeah. a small business, the smaller the company, the more tactical they are. They're like, oh, what's the next growth tech I can deploy to, you know, pimp my pipeline by 32%. Bigger companies, uh, they're more strategic about these things, uh, more mature. So that's a better fit for us. And, you know, and also, of course, money. Like, who can afford 20000 a year or 50000 a year? It's not your, you know, one million a year startup. You know, these are bigger yeah. companies. Okay. All right. Well, I just have a couple more questions. First one is... Can you share a hack that worked for you maybe in order to define your messaging, your initial messaging or anything about, you know, growing winter, something that you consistently go back to something that works for you, but maybe, you know, someone else would consider it unconventional. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we've talked about these things already in this episode. A visible founder is a great booster 
for a startup, a visible founder. Mm. And w- what is a visible founder is that you're, you know, you're consistent posting on LinkedIn and whatever channel makes sense on social media. Uh, you know, I, I strive for once a day and that it just really can help. Second thing is just be very deliberate about extending your network among your target audience. So when I studied winter, I mean, my background is in conversion, optimization, experimentation. So with building winter, I stepped into a whole new world. I knew nobody. Now I knew a lot of, know a lot of people. And it's all because I'm a systematic, deliberate networker. So of course, connecting with you know, relevant people on LinkedIn, commenting, going to in-person events, huge. I go, I hang out. Yeah. Uh, I throw private dinners myself. Everybody loves to be invited to a dinner. I throw dinner parties. I invite people. I'm in Austin, so I mean it's a pretty big town, so there there are people around. So if you live in the boonies, it's more difficult. I understand. Uh, also, we we throw monthly virtual events. You know, webinars. We call them workshops. You know, essentially it's a webinar. We do regular webinars, uh, like virtual conferences, things like this, where all the speakers are who my ICPs. It's again to build a relationship and raise awareness that we exist, which is the hardest part of any bootstrap startup life is, is making the target market know that you exist. And then also yeah. last, this last spring, we threw our first in-person conference. And, and this, it's the same idea that I'm inviting my target market to attend so I can meet them all, you know, become friends. They know who I am. Uh, so, so those would be my, uh, you know, hacks. It's not a hack, really. Yeah. So it's a lot of work, but <laughs> it works. Yes. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but it works. Yes, amen. Absolutely agree. And yeah, the last question is is some something that everybody gets. It's what has been so far the biggest win and the biggest failure? It could be about the business, the company. It could be about you personally as a founder. Like in my life? Like, I don't know. The biggest well, deal you man. closed or the biggest regret of firing a friend. <laughs> Never working with a friend in the first place. Yeah, it's a a quick way to lose a friend, that's for sure. Uh, Yeah, biggest win. I mean, overall, if I think about winter, is like the fact that we're alive and these were like hard years here. I mean, I'm proud that we're like not just alive. We're kicking ass. We're growing. And it's hard to pinpoint there's any one thing it's just about yeah there's no there there's nothing magical that we've done that made, made a huge boost i mean the, the conference i guess you know like putting on a conference and i organized it single-handedly it's just, i was the, the whole oh, wow. events team with me you know it doesn't have to be hard if, if you're strategic about it biggest failure well we've built features that nobody cared about and that we had to kill and it's just a waste you know and then especially in a bootstrap startup life Developers are expensive and using expensive developer time to build something that the market does not care about or doesn't change your metrics, that hurts. Yeah. Because there is a big difference between outputs and outcomes. So output is something that we ship and produce. I'm busting ass and your people in your company might feel that, oh, I'm really kicking ass, man. I'm like working hard and late night and whatever it is, like a lot of effort. And they feel that they're like killing it. If we look at outcomes, well, did the retention go up or did the revenue per visit, uh, customer go up? You know, like, and yeah. if those don't, well, like the output is 
useless and you're going to fire your biggest output person maybe and they feel like oh i was you know wrongfully terminated or like, i was working so hard but like it had no impact yeah. so the, the, managing these things is, is is hard i think yeah but it's also kind of well I, i'm kind of glad when when founders talk about this as the biggest failure because it's kind of just like the life of a startup and uh, probably it's good that it's it's the biggest failure so far because it means that there were no like life-threatening things. So uh, yeah, I mean, seeing your growth and seeing what you put out there on social media, uh, I feel like you're doing, yeah, you're kicking ass. You're doing a great job. Uh, it's always refreshing to see what you're talking about. So thank you for the content that you're creating. And I think I can speak for a lot of marketers out there. Uh, but yeah, it was great talking with you. Thank you for, for sharing so many insights and the story of winter and your journey with it. Thank you for having me. All right. And take care. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders. And if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at sas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS Group, a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.